The University of Kentucky Federal Credit Union encourages everyone to promote positivity and random acts of kindness in the community with their Take Care campaign. Follow along on social media using hashtag Take Care or visit UKFCU.org slash Take Care to learn more. UK Federal Credit Union believes everyone has something positive to share. So join us in offering kind words and positivity with hashtag Take Care. Stop by a UK Federal Credit Union branch to grab a mask or button and show off your positive vibes. Masks and buttons are first come, first served and available for limited to time only. Federally insured by NCUA. Listening to the KSR Football Podcast. Welcome into the KSR Football Podcast, presented by UK Federal Credit Union. Go check out one of their six locations around town today. And this holiday, it's a holly jolly edition of the KSR Football Podcast, where we're only 15 days away from Christmas. Two weeks and change. I'm Nick Roush, he's Drew Franklin, and Freddie Maggard. Uh, we're waiting to shame Charles Walker for being late. Um, he's probably just waving down somebody on the side of the street. But Christmas is almost here. Signing day is almost here. Uh, that's normal. We're also in a not normal year where the season ended a week later, and now Kentucky is looking for an offensive coordinator. There's a lot happening right now, Drew. Busy times. Uh, it's not just the two sports met there for a couple weeks that wore us out, but it's we haven't had a big coaching search in a while, so everybody's kind of looking towards that, uh, trying to figure out who candidates might be, who'd be the great hire. Um, you don't like seeing someone lose the job, but as a fan, coaching searches are kind of exciting, looking around trying to guess and you know trying to pick a good person. <laughs> I tried to find my own candidates. You know, it's, it's kind of a new element that's had this offseason. Especially whenever the coaching search isn't because your team like really sucked, so like everybody's fired. It's only like, oh, you just new offensive blood. So yeah, and and the latest trend is that oh, this it could be an NFL guy. So everybody immediately just like, oh, let's look at NFL offensive coordinators, look at quarterbacks coach, who was coaching where, and like you're immediately like, well, let's just get uh, the Chiefs quarterbacks let's get Patrick Mahomes quarterbacks coach or let's get the Rams uh offense coordinator it's like yeah I mean could be asking a lot but you know what anything's possible right now that's the holiday season for you it it is fun to just pick your favorite NFL offense and go to their go to that team's website and go to their coaching staff and just randomly I mean I've never heard of these people that are the (laughs) secondary assistants but just randomly pick one that I think would look good in a UK uniform (laughs) yeah Eric Bieniemy. let's get him 
I don't think we can get him. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's definitely in line for a head coaching job down the road. But that, it does make it it fun, uh, all things considered. Um, Freddie, I know this is kind of uncharted waters for most of us. Like, heck, I I don't especially because there's not like one specific guy um, like we've had in previous offensive coordinator searches under Mark Stoops. Is it, or is it not Nick Roush? Oh, so there could be one guy. Hmm. I don't know. I just look at it. I look at how the media is covering this and I feel, I think, uh, I think it's the Josh Allen effect. Would you like to know what the Josh Allen effect is? I would love to know the Josh Allen effect. If it's the Buffalo Bills Josh Allen effect, you're saying it's going to be Ken Dorsey is the next offensive coordinator? Josh Allen with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, the good Josh Allen. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when I I made a a pretty uh, uh, off-the-wall claim that he would be the best player in the class, and I love, you know, remember that whole deal. Mm -hmm. You know, look at media guys and recruiting, and they'll send out various – tweets that say this guy's going to be the you know just so somebody could come back and say hey look i told you about this guy and i think that is kind of how the media is covering it you know you're throwing out all these spitballs so they could come back and say that they're the first person to report this uh it's kind of like I, I, like I, yeah. don't, I don't like doing that it just it feels yeah weird. yeah oh no yeah you and i killed it man i mean y'all doing a great job but i, I think so many people's throwing out names so they you know but but We'll see. I think I think the decision lies in the head of Mark Stoops. And, and, you know, as we look at the Kentucky football program, you have Bear Bryant one, you have Mark Stoops two. And uh, as far as wins, all-time wins in the programs, and he is, he is, uh, he is at that threshold right now, and I think he's going to make the right decision. Uh, I think he understands that, that this league is an, SEC, is an offensive league now. And, and he will make the transition to that. And, and, but I don't think, I don't think that, uh, you know, fans, uh, that are expecting the air raid, pure air raid system. Uh, it's not realistic at, at UK. I mean, I mean, look at Mississippi state last year had the best running back in the country in the conference. And, and, and he left the team because Mississippi state's averaging 24 rush yards a game and, and throws the ball all over the place and loses because people have figured out the air raid. So, We'll see, Nick Rouse. We'll see, buddy. Oh, and we'll see Charles Walker. Hey, Charles. Nice to see you today. Hey, Charles. Hey, guys. Sorry about that. Freddie, uh, what was the Josh Allen effect for the signing class of 2014? Who was going to be the best player in that class? I, uh, Charles Walker. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> every time I don't know. I, I, do this, boys. Every I'm time we send do out this a podcast. tweet. Sorry, go ahead, Freddie. No, you go ahead, Drew. Mine's not important. It's really not. This is all you. I cut you off. I'm going to send out a tweet on every player in this 2020 class about he's my surprise player and he's going to be the best player in the class and stagger them. That way I can go back to it. And then just delete just delete it. And, delete know, the other ones. Yeah. 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 There you go. I was going to say, um, every time we hop on here, I know this is a podcast and our, our listeners can't see us, but we see each other via Zoom. Shout out 2020. That's life. But Charles always makes me feel worthless because nice, nice shirt. He's at an office. He's got his, his what are those uh, Apple AirPods in? Uh-huh. I haven't bathed in a vest. In, yeah, I mean, this sweatshirt has kittens on it. My hair's a mess. My breath. I'm glad you all can't smell that. But Charles is like, is that starched? Oh, now he's throwing on a jacket. <laughs> 
<laughs> Nick, Nick looks like he's a member of the Beatles. What's up with your glasses? Oh, man? so the thing. Okay, these glasses—they're called blue glasses or something. Blue Basically, oh, blue light. They're blue yes, light. they're blue yeah. light glasses. So when you stare at computer screens all day, it's bad for you. Believe it or not, and these glasses are supposed to help. So. Like I can't, it doesn't look blue through me, but it does when I see it in the mirror. So yeah, I do look like a, a beetle. Uh, Dad had really gonna... cool blue blockers, Nick. I may, I may get you those for Christmas for sunglasses. <laughs> On a future podcast, I would like a thorough review of those because I'm also very interested. In, like you, I'm looking at a screen uh, 18 hours a day. So please, uh, maybe next time we get together, I know those are pretty okay. new. Yeah, yeah. I I'm think a it's weekend. a hoax. We'll see. Here's the thing, Charles. I haven't gotten completely like I've only had them a week, but I I have been using less eye drops because my eyeballs are just drier than a desert. So maybe they they work to an extent. I, you know what? If somebody paid to an endorse a specific uh blue white blocking glasses, I would be willing to sing their praises from the mountaintop. So you know, just throwing that out there. If you if you know a guy. At Maria at KentuckySportsRadio.com for inquiries. But back to the air raid. Charles, you played in the air raid. How weird is that? I, I think, again, once again, you can't please the fan base. When you win 10 games and you run the ball, they get mad. Oh, sorry, I'm getting a call. Um, I think when you, you, you say this air raid, then you take – Okay, well, some days the offense isn't working and you have four three and outs in a row and your defense is on the field for two quarters straight. Um, you know, it doesn't always work. And I'm curious to see who they bring in and what style of offense we play, coach, do, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and I, and I think – uh in, in particular we we've learned in the state of mississippi there's a difference between air raid and just spreading the offense out and going vertical um, and that's i think the goal of this next one is not only to go vertical but hey maybe utilize the play action pass a little bit more because freddie when you got a run game like kentucky's they're going to be selling out to try to stop a guy like chris rodriguez you should be able to make the defense pay over the top with some play action what Kentucky did not do in 2020 is run effective bootlegs, and I don't know why. Uh, what the tight ends due to the fact. Well, I mean, you got to look at it. I mean, we say that, but Chris Rodriguez only averaged 12 carries per game or per game. We talked about it earlier, Nick. Chris Rodriguez, Drew, you and Charles will really appreciate this. Had four more carries in 2020 than Terry Wilson. Wow, four more carries. So. I don't understand what, you know, uh, the bootleg could have really been effective with Chris Rodriguez if he'd had more carries, but uh, you know, you can't, you can't uh, go into 2021 without Rodriguez and Keaton Upshaw being the focal point of your offense, because I think that's your best two offensive players. Uh, if Darren Kennard comes back, uh, your best three players are Kennard, Upshaw, and Chris Rodriguez, and you cannot go away from the run game. Kentucky's going to have to stay balanced, and I think that's good. And you're going to have to utilize tight ends because you're going to have Brendan Bates, Keaton Upshaw, Jordan Dingle. I mean, he plays early, and, and that might be a situation where Kentucky, because you don't have the home run hitters right now at wide receiver. But look at the look at the uh, at the waiver wires. I think that's going to be important going into 2021 as well, especially at receiver. 
You know it's bad. Would you like Drew. a fun Chris Rodriguez stat? Oh, I would like a if fun they, Chris Rodriguez if, stat. If they, I'm going to do a if. I like to play ifs because it makes things sound better. If they had counted the touchdown against Auburn, which was a clear touchdown, my man was six yards into the end zone uh, with the football. He would have averaged one touchdown every ten touches. Jeez, <laughs> goodness gracious! I, I, I mean, do... even without that, it's eleven point three. I think it's a school record. But I, I like to give him that one. So I'm calling it every 10 touches he was in the end zone and still wow. didn't get the carries he needed. Wow. I mean, that, that stat that he had four more carries than Terry Wilson, uh, Nick and I talked about it earlier today on the Depth Chart podcast, uh, a shameless plug. I can't, I, I can't wrap my, my mind around that. I, I really can't. I mean, am I wrong that that baffles me that much? No, not at all. We spent most of the year screaming, give him the ball. Yeah. And, and it felt like there the was – TV on Saturday, and it would be more of the same. There was like two or three games. You're like, okay, well, this is going to be the game where he finally gets the ball 20 times. And I think it still only happened once, twice maybe. I don't blame it for happening in the South Carolina game because obviously they were trying to get their guys some touches. Um, and the the guys who got some touch, uh, Justin Rigg was a guy who got some too, uh, the tight end. And I love that we've reached the point where even Freddie is shouting from the mountaintops, throw it to the tight end. That's yeah, when you know it's I mean, bad. I, yeah, I mean, because, you know, we saw what Justin Rigg could do on Saturday. I mean, the void routes, the, the over routes, whatever you want to call them. And then, you know, uh, Upshaw didn't play. He played early, then had a, had a groin injury and, and really got to feature key, uh, Justin. And I thought that was great. But man, I, you know, you're, I don't know. There's just a lot of things that, that are, uh, that are mind blowing right now for me. But that's why we're going in a new direction. We, yeah. I mean, if they were lining back up and doing more of the same, we could com- keep complaining. But the moves have been yeah. made. Hopefully that won't be the case next year because Keaton Upshaw, he's going to be a big weapon. And I hope we're not screaming uh, from the mountaintops to throw the tight end next year. I hope we're watching it. Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a stat guy. I'm not I'm not so much an advanced stat person because I really don't understand that. Yeah, Some of it. Too much math. The base, it's too much. I mean, people don't understand that. But, but the, the basic numbers, there, there are a few that I really wish that I hadn't discovered and that Wilson to – Rodriguez rush ratio is one that that I wish I'd have never found. So, yeah, it is what it is. But we're moving forward. You're right, Drew. Yeah, I'll shut up. Thanks for the call. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I didn't mean up? to shut you up. I'm just saying it's exciting that with the coaching change, maybe we will have to quit stop begging for it to happen. That's true. That's true. Well, we. I, I do want to move forward, but I also want to kind of look back on the season as a whole. Um, because, you know, it is, as much as we might think of the bad, in hindsight, I think the, the one game we're all going to remember from this game is that ass-kicking the Cats handed the Vols at Neyland Stadium, who right now Tennessee's in the middle of a six-game losing streak. Drew, do you remember when they had, like, they had, won- they had the longest winning streak in the country? Man. I do. That was so uh, long ago. I almost remember when they were actually a good program. Um, I really got to squint and use that brain. I, I think I was just 10, 12 years old. Charles, so, uh, you might not have been alive the last time Tennessee was good. No, I wasn't. But sadly, they did kind of have my number in college. So <laughs> that one hurts to say. No, you got him. You got him, though, right? We got him. Yeah, yeah you got, got him. Once, but 
Hey, one, you know, you, you ended on a high three. note, though, okay? Not the best. People remember the last one, just like people remember the South Carolina. You you win the you remember the last one. I will say when you're going against Derek Barnett for three years, um, and you have to literally have to come up with a new um, – we called it scat, and it was, I guess, a new scheme where a tight end would literally have to stay in motion to the side – where Barnett was playing and help the tackle rush, r- help him block his rush every down. Um, I'd say it's a pretty dominant player. <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Yeah, I mean, I watch him play on Sundays now, and I'm like, yeah, that's a guy that we legitimately had to come up with a new scheme, and they would motion towards the side. I get, he played on the left tackle, so you know we had plays, and, and it was a call, hey, CJ, hey, Greg Hart, you have to motion and help the tackle because we're passing the ball or we're running the ball. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Similar to the Josh Allen effect that people had to, you know, guard or help block him. It just Mm -hmm. shows you when you have a dominant edge rusher, the rest of your defense can just be decent and you'll be fine. I mean, the Cleveland Browns are 9-3, and and I think they haven't lost a game that Miles Garrett's played. So, like – you got a good pass rusher. It goes goes a long way, and those guys they don't they don't grow on trees. Luckily, um, because Kentucky's faced a lot of those guys over the year, not just Derek Barnett, but all sorts of ones. I love that anecdote, Charles. I really do. Um, Pretty almost, crazy. Almost as much as I loved uh, that time that you remember that time that Jared Garantano threw that ball to Kentucky, and then they scored a touchdown. Oh, six. So, wasn't it like six times? Well, Did you really narrow it down. Two of them were touchdowns. Oh, true, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which last night I was shopping on eBay for signed Jarrett Garantano stuff for my dad. But it's amazing. I hope he's not listening. It's amazing how much they charge for that stuff. I want to do it, but seventy dollars for his autograph to just make my dad mad on Christmas is a lot. If it were thirty, I would pay thirty to watch my dad knock the Christmas tree over. Seventy. <laughs> By the way, that's happening. I'm going to film it and put it on Twitter that morning. But I just, as you bring him up, I want you all to know I spent an hour of my life searching for his autograph on the internet last night. Hey, Nick, ask that uh, superhero question to these dudes. I mean, I'm sure they're they're more versed than I am. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. This was a question we had on the Depth Chart Podcast. If you could have a superhero be the next UK offense coordinator, who would it be? Um. I'm trying to, to develop my answer. There's a lot I to choose from. Loki. There's... All right, you ready? Loki. Even though he's kind of a super villain versus a hero, but he's he's the, the god of deception. So there you go. There's my answer. Oh. Final answer. Okay. Yep. So a lot of play action, a lot of misdirection. I like it, Chuck. Uh, well, Drew. I mean, and he can also duplicate himself and or I don't know the correct terminology, but I can you know, form a hologram and then go – invisible slash pass through so if he can kind of teach that to our players be pretty dominant <laughs> one minute you're at the line one minute you're in the end zone 100 yard bomb boom there you go uh mine is a little more obscure i'm i'm thinking it on the fly i did not know this question was coming but i'm really confident in my answer i'm going to take you all to uh marvel comics to the x-men mm-hmm. the x-men people there was a there was a one named gambit 
Oh yeah, he. I, I called and, him shoot card as a kid because he would shoot cards at people, and they were like flaming cards, and he had a cool stick too. Two of his powers were throwing and charm, and we need an offensive coordinator that will come in here and charm the offense, charm the fan base and the recruits, get them back on board, and then throw, throw, throw accurately next year. Oh. Huh. Man, Nick, you are I'm a nerd. That's a good one. <laughs> I like Nick, it because the, the early nineties X Men. What just happened? I don't even like what <laughs> the, the early nineties X Men's on Disney Plus, and that cartoon's making a comeback. So, oh, the, nice. Yeah, big X Men fan when I was young. Were you saying, Freddie? I'm gonna change mine. Okay. I'm gonna change mine to the six million dollar man. Oh, uh, yeah, Eastern Kentucky native Johnny Major. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he has that vision. He can look across and see uh, the uh, defensive coordinator's play sheet and, and and counter off that. So I'm going $6 million man. Yeah, I, I'm sticking with my Dr. Strange because he can see the future and know what the defense is going to do and then change that. So True. I mean, I guess you could also just say Thanos and, I mean, have uh, yeah. all their infinity stones. But, yeah, that's no fun. That's cheating. Yeah, that's, you know. Yeah, but we're we're not going to cheat. Um, you yeah, know, we're not Tennessee over here. Thank God. Yeah. You do have a Tennessee orange shirt. No, on. this is uh, DeSales orange. It's okay. much different. Much different is colors. There, is there a difference? Yeah. Hey, shout out. No, there's there's a subtle subtle slight difference. But shout out to your Sanex tires, Chuck, for beating North Hell Harden. Yeah. I know yeah. they didn't have future UK running back with Vel Wright, but that was still a, a nice little. Little upset there uh, in the state semifinals now. Um, That's what should, the Tigers do. Just don't call them Tiger Tech. That's so lame. It's like the lamest thing ever. It's so lame. Tiger Tech, baby. Tiger uh, Tech producing athletes left and right. <laughs> like like Charles Walker, Charles Faircatch. NFL Walker. athletes. Hey, NFL athletes. I was in the NFL for two and a half days. NFL athletes. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's Which, the ongoing joke with my buddies. Hey, I would be happy to tell people I was in the NFL for two days. Hey, you've got the gear to prove it. Whatever we watch, you know, NFL Sundays, we kind of have a big group that always meets. I'll usually, probably about once every week, just kind of throw out, well, I mean, I would know, you know, I I was there. You all weren't. (laughs) I think they're getting getting kind of sick of it now, but I usually still get a couple laughs. That's it was great. the it was the Lions, right? You just watch their games and tell everyone what they're doing and how you know the coaches. And yeah, I mean, rumor has it Patricia got canned because he let nice five ten and a half U X U K punt returner receiver go too early. But I, I don't know if that's the full reason or not. That's just what's on the Reddit boards. Mm. So mm, heard that from Stenberg, did you? Uh, Martha Firestone Ford actually told me what. <laughs> um speaking of nfl colleagues i'm gonna get my hopes up again drew i'm gonna get my hopes up again because the rams kicker is questionable tonight on thursday night football so you all might already know the future last time we talked about austin mcginnis kicking and then it didn't happen matt gay played instead but he's questionable tonight and if he can't go they're gonna have to promote austin from the practice squad and I just, I just know I'm going to get my heart broken again. It's inevitable. Hmm. Was it three or four weeks ago? We were pretty certain he was going to make his debut on Monday Night Football. And then that afternoon, the reports come out that they left him on the practice squad and went with someone else. It just ripped my heart out of my soul. 
I don't know that I can get up for tonight. I, I, it's clearly possible. Might even be call it likely. I just can't get excited about it. I'll be watching, but I can't be let down again. The Rams really like to beat me up. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Uh, they do, which I think leads me to ask you, uh, how would you, you feel if Jeff Fisher, a guy who the Rams beat up, uh, returned to Nashville as Vanderbilt's next head football coach? First of all, when you said lead me to ask you, I thought you were going to start talking about basketball and turnovers. Devin asked you, but uh, even worse than basketball turnovers would be my hero, Jeff Fisher, coaching an SEC rival. Can't do it. We got to get in front of this train. Stop it. It cannot happen. Um, you know, the joke is that he always goes 500. I, I think he might be all right at Vandy. 500 would be six good. And six is great at Vanderbilt. Like, it's a match made in heaven. We, we say this all the time. We like making fun of our, our rivals and their coaches, must champ, love talking about how bad he is. But then when they get fired, you get nervous they're going to go get someone good. So I'm in that situation with Derek Mason being gone from Vandy and Jeff Fisher being high on their list. I'm terrified. I do think, though, Freddie, that they're ultimately not going to go that route. It sounds like the defense coordinator for Notre Dame is their top guy they want to get. Uh, he was a former Commodore, so it'd be a, a homecoming of sorts. I think his name's Chris Lee, maybe. Yeah, it doesn't matter if they get Nick Saban there. I mean, there's no support from the university. There's no fan support. Recruiting is nearly impossible. Uh, it really doesn't matter, to be honest with you. I mean, James Franklin was there and did a great job, but you got to look at the landscape of the SEC when he was doing what he did at Vanderbilt. Uh, Georgia was down. Kentucky there was a lot. Kentucky was down. There was a lot of teams that wouldn't w- – wasn't really playing at a high level. So it was when uh, uh, Spurrier went on his run, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah South Carolina so, won a couple of division titles. Yeah. So it, it, it doesn't matter who Vanderbilt gets, to be honest with you. Did uh, you? Fisher was the was the top choice when Derek Mason got hired. And I think ultimately he just wanted to keep being and not going out recruiting. So Andy may want him, but it's a, it's a Fisher issue. I think. Would you want to go coach Fandy if you retired and? rich and doing uh, yeah. whatever you want every day no yeah being rich and retired sounds just much better than like look at rich brooks he's out there like bragging about winning the club champion the senior club championship that is much better than coaching vanderbilt football i can think of a lot of things better than getting paid a couple million dollars to coach vanderbilt football yeah and i hate that for Derek mason i mean i he's a good guy i mean he he it's just a tough place to win man it really really is i mean it's it's difficult for several reasons. I think Fisher still don't think it's going to happen. But if it's if someone's going to work, he's like a, a, a really like a hero in Nashville. I think at least for fan interest, it would help. Now I'm not saying that's going to win games, but it might put some butts in the seats for a year or two. Still think it's not the move. Well, you can't get any fewer than what they already have. So you know, <laughs> they at least have that going for them. Um, but I, I want to go back to just the season, just kind of looking back. And I'm curious because there was entering the season, obviously there was a lot of hype uh, and we were wrong on many fronts. I think uh, especially the passing game, thinking that Kentucky could go essentially a year without passing and think that they, they it, it would just be like riding a bike. It was not. It was a struggle. But Kentucky still beat the teams they should have beat 
and they lost some games that I don't think people expected them to win. Uh, and there was a couple of toss-ups out there. Now, my question to you all is, what what was the one that got away? What was the play here or there that if something goes differently, the season changes on a dime? I will bring up a play I already brought up. I'm still convinced if Kentucky gets credit for Rodriguez scoring, they could have won that Auburn game. And I think if you win that Auburn game too, just the tone you set with – and like the, the offense wasn't, uh, you know, blowing the doors off of Auburn's defense, but that was the most passing yards they had all season. So, you know, I, I, you, you win that game, you get a little bit of momentum. I would even point to the fake punt that Duffy had in that game that shouldn't have been called and was poorly executed. Not only did it, um, not not only did it put the game out of reach, but it kind of spoiled Kentucky's chances at running another fake the rest of the year. We never saw Duffy uh, run again. I don't have a play. I have a group of plays, uh, Nick Ross. Okay, and that will be Kentucky's red zone touchdown percentage of fifty five percent. Only 16 to 29 times Kentucky scored touchdowns in the red zone. I think that number led to uh, some losses that Kentucky should not have had. I'm right there with you, Freddie. Charles, what do you got for us? Sorry, I didn't know I was on mute. I, I Right when you asked the question, I was with Drew um, and saying one play to change of season, if I had to pick, would be the, the Auburn – uh, you know, Chris Rodriguez, hairs touching the back of the end zone, and for some reason they said he didn't get in. Um, I'd say that because, like you all said, it's the first game of the year. It's the big Auburn Tigers, and even though, you know, throughout the season we kind of learned maybe they're not the Auburn that historically they have been, um, it sets the tone for the year, and it builds that confidence that, hey, we, you know, we just took down Auburn. They're historically great that changes the season. It changes the positivity of these young guys that don't really know SEC football yet, but they know that, wow, you beat Auburn, you're a good football team. And um, I, I picked that one without a, without a doubt. I'm glad nobody <laughs> said the PAT in overtime. Yeah. That, I hate nah. I mean, that one was second. That sucks, <laughs> but I hate when a kicker gets blamed. I mean, there were so many plays in that game that could have gone differently. It Putting the whole thing on one guy is tough. Yeah, and then you go back to the red zone inefficiencies he, sh he should have never been put in a position to miss the field goal either i mean that, yeah yeah they had a if you, if you can't yeah was it a missed touchdown catch freddie or like a hold or something that pushed him back after a big play i th i think both during that series nick to be oh honest it was the you, it yeah. was the upshaw uh they went to upshaw and it was underthrown and it could have been a touchdown yeah, like so. if he just leads him that he's walking in the end zone yeah that's some points touchdowns. on the board in that game yeah, with uh, with uh, with the rose early celebration and with the with the, with that situation before the field goal, that that was a game that yeah, I I would think that Kentucky would want that back. Now, I gotta. I'm still upset that that he didn't get benched after that. But okay, you you asked your question. <laughs> How do you put him back in to score to well potentially score the touchdown? What one game that I think we all knew at the time, like as it was happening that you kind of give them a pass for was the, the Missouri game. Um, because once the players found out that John Sharman wasn't going to be there, that just, yeah. 
that, that that's going to wreck you because they're smart. They, they, they knew the, the kind of writing was the, on the wall. It was devastating, but uh, I appreciate the way that the team fought um, yeah. and, and, and played against Vanderbilt. The, the delay of game to start that game was incredible. That was an incredible moment. And I really think the best way to top off his gesture is for him to get the Broyles award posthumously for the best offense or assistant coach in all of college football. And, we talked about it a little bit, Drew, yesterday. There's no way they can give it to somebody else. They better not, damn it. I mean, this I don't know how many people vote, but it should be unanimous. And and not that other candidates matter because he should win every year with the year he had, but there's not even any guy on the list that jumps out that I might think they could even not give it to him, give it to someone else. Like it is he is the clear cut favorite, should get it without question. The way he you know, he, I don't even think he was supposed to go to Knoxville, and he makes that trip against orders and gets that win and holds that game ball in the air. They should have given the Burles Trophy right then. But uh, yeah, whenever they do, January, I uh, fully expect it to be Schlerman, and it should be an easy decision. I really hope so, Drew. I mean, I really do. He meant so much to that program and, and, you know, just for his family and just for his players and their legacy. I really, really hope he wins. And that speech he yeah. gave before the Tennessee game, that was that was awesome. <laughs> it was incredible. And really, it's not just – I mean, uh, all that too, but he did a great job with that line. I mean, yeah. the, the cancer issue aside, he was a great football coach that turned those uh, guys into one of the better lines in the country. <sighs> the best line in the country for PFF uh, last week against yep. South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So it better be John Schlarman when it's announced. Now I, I'm curious though, uh, if we had, to, I feel like the offensive MVP is pretty clear cut um, in a year where there wasn't wasn't a whole lot of good offense. Are we all in agreement who it is? Yep. The 12 carry a game guy. No, I, I I'm I have one. I'm oh, not going with the twelve carry game guy. Not the twelve carry a game guy, Chris Rodriguez. A good Mr. offense C-Rod? is a good defense. <laughs> so I'm going with the defense because I feel bad for them. Some of those games, I would I wouldn't have been able to look at my offense in the eyes uh, on the airplane. I mean, you make a good point because in that there was a couple games where they were the the offense. They were the team's offense. You know, the only other player other than Rodriguez, uh, that it should be in consideration, in my opinion, is, is Drake Jackson. I thought he had a great year and a tough year. Uh, I thought he did a tremendous job. Huh, we'll Could we first. give the offensive MVP to the line? Is that cheating? I mean, we, that, yeah, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, Drew. There we go. Boom. Put it to a vote. Well, we're not all in agreement then. Take that, Chris Rodriguez. Rewind it back. <laughs> Uh, he he is um, honorable mention. Others receiving votes in the for it to win it next year. Yes, that's that's fair enough. Defensive MVP Charles Walker. You're put on the spotlight. Only got one on a defense that forced approximately 73 turnovers this season. Top ranked pass defense in the SEC. Who is the defensive MVP at 2020? Charles Walker. I'm going to go with Jamin Davis. Thought he had a good year all around. Hmm. You want me to say boss man fat? No, no, no. I'm say saying that. that was a good, that was a good choice. Um, 
and I, I will add that like we're the, the Kelvin Joseph year is going to be one that's not looked back fondly, but the dude was good. And he's one of the best cornerbacks I've seen play at Kentucky and nothing can take away from that. Um, even though I think fans are going to be left with a bad taste in their mouth where they'll, they'll, they'll quickly point to him getting mossed on that picture of him versus Seth Williams because. Oh, where Seth Williams is 6,000 feet in the air. I mean, okay. Yeah. And he's, is a very emasculating catch. Like how, how he even came back from that and then had the year he had is impressive in itself. Uh, and, you know, he had, he made, made he made, pick sixes versus Jarrett Garantano look easier than they already normally look. Um, but I think you could argue that not only was Damon Davis the best player, I think he, you could argue he was their just best player overall, their most consistent. And you could even argue that he had the best play of the season um, when he had the 80-yard turn, 85-yard uh, return for a touchdown against Tennessee. Uh, yeah, that and, was awesome. And especially to Freddie, considering that. You know, he was playing Chris Oates' spot. We thought that was going to be Chris Oates' job, and they needed Davis to step up in a big, bad way, and he came through uh, time and time again. Yeah, I mean, Chris Oates, you know, that, that's uh, – it's a it's a sad but yet motivational story of, of how he's working back, you know, physically and visited the team, and he provided so much inspiration – uh, but Chris Oates, the football player, that that's a future NFL linebacker that Kentucky missed on the field as well. So I thought Jamin Davis did a tremendous job, and he would be my MVP. And then I would throw in another category, Rookie of the Year. I think that's hands down J.J. Uh, Weaver. I will uh, add another vote to join the crew with Jamin Davis for all the reasons you all said. I mean, he was – I don't know the numbers. They're not in front of me. But he played down a game. He played nine, everyone else ten. Still led the team in tackles by a lot. Off the top of my mind, there I know of at least one fumble forced, one recovered, and a couple interceptions, the big one for a touchdown. And you have one in the end zone where yeah. – number. I mean, I think he's a clear winner. That's just stuff coming to my brain off the top of the head right now. I also like DeAndre Square, not giving him the award, but always been a fan of his and thought he had another big year playing without his 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 buddy next to him Oates. Hey Drew, yes. Jamin's numbers, 89 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, one sack, two interceptions to include the pick six, two pass breakups, one quarterback hurry, one fumble recovery, one forced fumble and a block kick. And that's in nine games. Yep. I mean I I would take that in a 12 game year. <laughs> Oh man, and that that interception you talked about at Mississippi State too—that was right before halftime, and that really took the wind out of their sails. That was a clutch stop in the red zone, and uh, that which ended up leading to the first time Michael Leach had ever been blanketed, shut out. His offense had ever been shut out in a game. So, uh, Jamin Davis, real real big time winner from from Ludwici. Did anyone uh, receiving votes? Do we get a Jordan Wright mention? I feel like he found the ball a lot. I don't know uh, what he tackles, but he was a playmaker. The fumble recoveries against South Carolina. It's like, does he just is that all he does? Is just if the ball's on the ground, just he is a magnet or something. That, well, that and last year against uh, Virginia Tech to to end the year. Yeah, Jordan Wright, big, big bowl game for him. Forty yeah. tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, an interception, 
four pass breakups, two quarterback hurries, two fumble recoveries, and two forced fumbles. Not too shabby. I I thought it was funny when they he like stood up on the bench after after one of the fumbles. I don't know if it was the first or the second, but the one that he just ripped from the South Carolina guy that was a grown ass man move. Like you want to talk about emasculating? Yes, man just steals the ball from your hands. Like goodness <laughs> gracious, linebacker, you can we can we do a grown ass man segment next year every week? Oh yeah, that could be our segment of the week. Uh, you know, well, well, baby steps though, Charles. We we first we right, just make right, up segments right. as we go, then we get reoccurring segments, and then uh, we actually produce the show instead of yeah, just like Charles. Talk. Charles, you're in like 2030, like getting. <laughs> Sorry guys. Sorry guys. I don't know what, is, what I'm thinking. Who goes out and? It's, no, we. we hey, we the new bosses are impressed though. At least he's got the 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 foresight to to look ahead. So there you go, Charles. That the new mm-hmm. bosses approve. Big I'm, meeting I'm with the new bosses ahead. today. Yeah. yeah. What time? When when do I need to be there? No one told me. Oh. Well, you're, you're part of phase two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Maybe phase four. I saw your starch dress shirt and thought, well, that guy does not work here. Not <laughs> <laughs> fit in. Oh man, uh, but yeah, it's weird having meetings and like, I don't know, just it's just formal things happening. It's structure. Yeah. What is all this? Yeah. What is this employee handbook you're sending me? What, <laughs> what is this? Get this out of here. I'm a blogger. I work in mom's basement. That's my handbook. <laughs> okay, I want to know what was the best play of the year. Mm. Mm-hmm. Chris Rodriguez, 79-yard touchdown run against South Carolina, untouched, and it was on senior night. Justin Rigg, Luke Fortner, Landon Young, and Drake Jackson opened the hole, and it was a perfect fitting for a descriptive play that defined the senior night and Big Blue Wall. I like it, Freddie. I, but to your point, it was it did put a nice little bow on the game because – there was the, you know, the fake punt, and it's like, oh, God, is South Carolina really going to mess around and make this thing close? That play made sure that the season ended on a high note with the seniors leading the way. Yeah. But if I were to, if I were at SportsCenter and I was making just, like, the highlight reel, I think number two has got to be Matt Ruffalo outrunning the Alabama defenders oh, yeah. to, to, to jump yes. on the ball. I mean, what yes. a feat of athleticism. Yeah. Not only Alabama defenders, but they're two starting cornerbacks that I'm pretty certain were former five-star guys and that will play in the national football league. So him out, and again, we talked about this <laughs> originally, but those guys were striding out and Ruffalo strides. I mean, he was taking 12 steps to their one. <laughs> and, and he and he he cut me over the phone. But I thought that was great. I love that kid. Well, when you look at his scouting report, it says downhill runner. It doesn't say how many steps, but it says downhill runner. <laughs> he got down there and play. I think he um, was I'm moving pick- faster than Jamin Davis on that pick six, which, which is my play of the game. Oh, Did you set me up for that. Did you know that's what I was going. I, with? I, I was teeing you up and just wanted you to hit <laughs> it out of the park. Two minutes after a pick six, you get another pick six in Knoxville. I think at that point, all of us were looking at our TV, 
grinning from ear to ear, wondering what in the hell was going on, but we were loving it. And Jamin Davis took it 85 yards for the rare back-to-back pick sixes. And then another interception followed that one. So really any, though, I'll take the whole sequence, but uh, Jamin Davis's 85-yarder was the one that stood out. I'm glad you brought up the reaction to that because I didn't think it was real. Like, I was like, real? (laughs) Is this happening? I'm like, no, no, this can't be happening. There was definitely a time where I – it took me a good – like, the replay had to roll for me to really say, oh, okay, yeah, woo, this is awesome. I mean, that was so crazy. If they had done that against Middle Tennessee State, I'd still be like, whoa, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened because, I mean, it was like a 40-yard pick six, straight into an 85-yard pick six, straight into an interception. After following a game that was full of interceptions, we were beginning to think we were the best secondary ever. And then you throw in the fact that it's at Tennessee where you hadn't won in decades. It was really an, a surreal couple minutes of U.K. football. Oh, man. That Tennessee game, that was a lot of fun. And hopefully the the kind of woes don't overshadow the highs of that game because, uh, I mean, beating Tennessee at Neyland Stadium, it didn't have the same pop as Florida because there wasn't as much time in between. And, you know, we had just beaten Tennessee a few years back. But still, just having that day where you can celebrate the win in Knoxville and having Charm in there, that was just – that was incredible. That was an incredible win, a season-defining win at Neyland Stadium. There's no such thing as, like, mid-season championships or, you know, it's, I'm sure everyone wants to say it's just like any other game, but that was the final box to check off for Mark Stoops. Right, right. I mean, that I don't care what they do in the bowl game. That Tennessee game was the championship this year. He had ended Florida. Heck, he ended South Carolina. He ended all the streaks. They hadn't won a road SEC game in years when he got here. I remember the seniors saying that they had never been on a, a happy flight home. Oh, man. And that that Tennessee at Knoxville was the last one. So, yeah, that was, that was a midseason title game. And now you move on to the bowl game, and I – we don't have details um, of when and where, but it's going to be different. You know, Charles Walker isn't going to be f- fishing out at the pond out in Jacksonville. You know what I mean? Like, I don't – it's just – it's not going to be the same kind of vacation-like setting. Charles Walker don't fish, bro. All right. Let's get <laughs> you that know, one you, you never went down to the pond, the, the watering hole with Landon or, or Cash down there and cast a line? Nah, Brody. Nah, Brody. I was top golfing. It's a shame they never let y'all like get on TPC. You know, I mean, you were staying. Well, there. yeah, actually, it wasn't top golfing. I was uh, in and out of meetings all day long. No, yeah, I, I actually vi- did visit TPC um, with some of my buddies, you know, on the team when we were in Jacksonville. I think some of the coaches got on and played it, um, mm. which was unbeknownst to me, but <laughs> can confirm. Yeah, no, no confirmation there. Um, I don't know. There'll, there'll still be things to do, and I think this one is, you know, going to be a lot of, or this game, bowl game, will rely on a lot of the coaching, and really not, not the X and O part. Yes, that's going to be a big part, but the motivation part, and how can you motivate your team, like you said, to play in a weird bowl game where you don't know where you're going to be yet, but there's going to be. 5,000 fans there, if they allow fans, whatever the the circumstances are, 
can you motivate your players to give it their all for one more game? Some of them have to decide if they're going to opt out, come back next year. Uh, it's just a weird year. And I think the teams that have the, the closest camaraderie with their players and coaches will be the ones that win these bowl games. Man, that was a good take, Charles. It sounds like something I would hear on like college football live or something. I mean, yeah, I can. I'll be the OC next year. I just call any of the plays. I'll just get the boys hyped. I mean, I can do that. Oh, I mean, how does the how does the guy known for fair catching not fish? I thought they'd jump right in the boat to you, just wave and. Catch <laughs> Man, I, I will. I'm not. I'm not. I don't hate fishing. One, I've just never really done it. Two, I've gone deep sea fishing one time and. I was, you know, like 15, and my dad only gave me half of the seasick pill, you know, that's supposed to calm you. So I was good for about two hours, and then I spent <laughs> the next three hours just throwing up everywhere. Um, well, give well me then he only shore. gave you half of the pill, like yeah, like oh, you don't need this full thing. You're not, you're not old enough. Okay, great, thanks, Dad. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm not. I don't really like to sit still. Believe it oh. or not. Mm. Um, I've never been diagnosed with ADHD, but pretty sure I have a very extreme form of it. Um, so yeah, sitting there and fishing for six hours and not even knowing if you'll ever get a catch. That's not me. I can't do it. I need to know that there is some, there's light at the end of the tunnel or that I am coming here for six hours and I'm leaving with something. That's why I can't uh, deer hunt. I just, I can't go out there and just sit down and not know if I'll even see a deer. So there you go. There's my rant on fishing and hunting. I'm sorry, listeners. I will do it, but I don't love to – I don't look forward to doing it and love it all year long, all right? I don't know when deer season is. I don't know when you can't fish, can fish. I'll do it with anybody, but by God, I won't do it with anybody. There you go. I'm with you. It's okay, Charles. It's a long time Thank to be outside. Long it's time. just, you know, I love, I love nature, but, you know, whatever. Whatever. I could, I could tell he wasn't in, into it when he said fishing instead of fishing. fishing. Somebody uses the ing on it. Most likely, they're not good. They're not into fishing. Well, I'd, I'd uh, be with Cash at the locker room and Landon, and they're talking about fig baits and and track masters and bass fishers. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know. We got. I don't know. We got new formations to go over. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> I think uh, there is something to once you do like, I, I think that's part of dad strength where you start to like stuff like that more because it's just quiet and you're like, Oh, you mean I can just sit outside in the quiet for like two hours and maybe do a little drinking? Like, hell yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. What's the, uh, what's the song? Is it Trace Atkins? We're just fishing. Is that, is that the country song? I mean, again, I, I think the idea of fishing is very cool. You get to go out and it's peaceful and you're doing it with someone and you build that connection. Um, it's just never been for me. Maybe it will down the road, mm. uh, but there you go. It's All right. Well, I'm writing into the description of the podcast now. Charles hates fishing and everyone who's ever gone <laughs> fishing. Got it. No, hey, teeps their own. We got National Signing Day. Come Well, yeah, I hate Freddie. They call it early signing period. I don't, it's just, it's signing day. Nobody signs on signing day anymore. So I'm just going to call it signing day. National signing day is less than a week away right now. Kentucky's got 17 uh, in their class. 
six of the top eight players from the state of Kentucky, uh, including top-ranked player Jagger Burton. Uh, you got his teammate, uh, speedy wide receiver in Dakel Crowdis, another talented pass catcher, tight end at Jordan Dingle, and then Lavelle Wright, a solid running back. He can do a little bit of everything and really put his team on the back um, to help beat Douglas earlier in the season. So a talented group of kids. And the thing is, Freddie, that's kind of nice is that there's not – it's not going to be a full class kind of keeping the door open for like, like typically they might take some chances on some guys they've seen. They didn't get to see guys. So instead of taking chances, they can find other guys around the, uh, as you call it, the waiver wire, the transfer portal, whatever you want to yeah. call it, that, that there's plenty of wiggle room to, to add folks once the floodgates open in January. Yeah. I think the waiver wire will, uh, will be critical for Kentucky, especially at the receiver position. Um, I, I think it's vital that Kentucky locks down the best players in the state of Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, especially offensive linemen that we've recently seen go to Alabama, Clemson, et cetera. And that's why Jagger Burton is such an important signee in this class. Not only the fact that he's a tremendous football player, uh, but the fact that you lock down an offensive lineman to, to keep him home in Kentucky, much like you did Landon and Drake, I think that, that that's vital. But you got to keep the best players at home. And uh, I think with the coaches not being able to go out and see players, uh, I heard Vince talk about it really affects the 2022 class more uh, because they've not, you know, seen some of the younger ones. Mm -hmm. But Kentucky does a really good job. Vince does a great job of identifying early talent or talent early and and get those offers out. And and so many of their signees, Kentucky was the first team to offer. And I think that that holds – holds a place with these kids. And that's the case with Jagger Burton. UK was his first offer and that stuck with him. No, you're, you're definitely correct. So a lot of signing day coverage coming up to KSR. It's going to be a, a crazy week. Uh, Drew, you're getting ready to take a little vacation. Um, is it to an undisclosed location? Do you have a location yet? I have a location. I spent, am I, did I just give it a loud? No. no. Good. Um, I spent most of last night trying to find a place to go, but it's it's tough. There's nothing worth doing right now. Wait, it so seems planning a vacation on a week's notice during a pandemic. Well, I wasn't going to do anything crazy regardless. Um, it was all going to be by car, fairly close, but I just can't find anything. So might be sitting right here on the couch. Which would be nice. No, actually, I have to get out of the cage. I feel like I've been in a cage in 2020. If anyone has any suggestions around Kentucky, somewhere close, maybe day trip, hit me state up. State parks or uh, yeah, a nice state park. I'll probably system. hit some of that stuff. You know, oh, I'll find some fun, but no big, no big plans. Mm, nice. Maybe finish that Christmas shopping, which I need to do. That's a good reminder. Got to check that off the list. Well, we got some other things to check off the list, so we need to get out of here and go read our employee handbook, uh, among other things. But it's been fun talking Kentucky football with y'all this season. That doesn't mean we're done talking Kentucky football. Uh, hey, it's a year-round sport. And as Kentucky searches for a new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, we'll be with you every step of the way. Uh, just keep your eyes peeled. We'll have a new podcast out. Me, Freddie, and Luckett are going to hop on Wednesday night of signing day to talk about everything that happened and all the players joining the 2021 recruiting class. Um, but until then... Keep it locked on KSR and remember, go cats and go Kroger. And peep the technique.
fuerte, take me.